Welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross with Dan Ream, and we welcome you to the dungeon. Well, Dan, we've got a kind of a cool way to start today's show because you got a package in the mail. Yeah. Well, actually, it's for both of us. I just, I, I was asked if we had a, a P.O. box. I'm like, no, but just send it to my home. So anyway, yes, we got our first. <laughs> It's probably totally against the rules of everything that podcasters or anybody is taught to do. But anyway, uh, one of our longtime listeners who, you know, actually, I don't even I don't even know. I think we know the, the the real name, but he goes by Rum Weather Reptiles on Instagram. Yes. So he sent us very thoughtfully sent us a, a care package. It's sort of a, a little compendium of some materials from his homebrew world that he's been working on. Yeah. So that was a very, very thoughtful gesture. If you're following us on Instagram, you've already seen the image of the the map that he drew for us of his world that is already up in the game room. It's not in the most advantageous spot. I'm going to have to rearrange some things, but it's there beneath one of the lanterns. So it's well positioned, but I think I, I need to put it in more of a place of honor. But okay. yeah, so this was this was just really fun to read through. He included a poem from a grung bard, the Ballad of Polynob, and an official mission report from the Order of the Holy Dawn. Nice. It was, it was not a it was it was not a happy mission report. The first <laughs> the first the first word is failure. It's pretty impressive. So, so much to talk about, but honestly, just to not not to run on and on, but it is just, it was very fun to read. And that's for the world he's created. There's quite a bit of data. I, I gather just from the, the times we've interacted on Instagram that this is sort of one of his methods of relaxation is just to write lore for this world. And it kind of reminded me of, I mean, I I don't want to throw out the the big name quite so easily, but how Tolkien actually goes about, Hmm. or went about his writing, where it's just, he describes it as layer after layer of leaves that kind of dissolve in the forest floor. And you, from that springs a lot of the stories that he tells. So Hmm. uh, he's created this pretty in-depth world that he he actually does play in his, he, he runs games for his wife and son, which is is pretty awesome too. Very cool. So I, I have not been over to see it yet. And I look forward, we play in a couple of weeks, our game. And so I look forward to seeing that uh, map on in the dungeon on the wall there under yes. the lantern. But there was something that you were pointing out to me the other day regarding <laughs> names that I would love to have you share because I think it's a, it's a, it's a magnificent play and creative way to put together some some names. I yes, I definitely uh, appreciate his wordplay, and he created two brave knights, paladins, and the the man that's writing this, the individual that's writing this letter is a, a squire for them, I believe. Mm-hmm. And one man's name is Amek A M E C K. And the other man's name was Loin, L-O-Y-N-N. As I read through, I kind of skimmed through. I just read the what happened to these brave knights. It was not pleasant for them. 
and I didn't really think about it. And then as I skimmed back, I thought, Loin, that's a really odd name. Yeah. And then I noticed that he was a burnt, he was burnt to a crisp. And then I saw Sir Loin <laughs> and it clicked. <laughs> and then I looked back, Amic was shattered into a thousand pieces, Sir Amic. Nice. So I well I, done. I greatly appreciated it. And again, it was not highlighted. It was just in the read the writing. So you definitely had to read carefully enough to to pick up on it. So I almost missed it, but I did catch it. So it was pretty entertaining. Well done, Rumweather Reptiles on the wordplay there. That is <laughs> magnificent. And well done on you for being a discerning reader of the uh, letter. That's <laughs> well, it was it was a very involving, like I I I started to skim and then I had to slow down and really read because I was pretty involved in the tale that this the author of the letter was was recounting. So it was very, very thoughtful. I was very excited to get this this particular well, package. And it is for us. So we're gonna have to fight over who gets which pieces of it, but Oh, well, then you're going to end up with everything because you are the skilled warrior, whereas I am <laughs> the the scribe, I suppose. <laughs> I can run and bike really fast. How about that? <laughs> so you just have to you just have to grab it and get away. Yeah, right, right. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, for passing that on. And I can't wait to get over there and see the contents that are in there. But speaking of gifts or potential gifts, there was uh, news this week that a new line of Dungeons & Dragons cartoon action figures will be returning to the stores that bring these characters right out of the 1980s. Now, Dan, do you mm. recall... Watch, we've talked about this on the show before, but I don't remember. Do you recall watching these I I had seen a couple of episodes, but I had just kind of aged out of cartoons. I, I remember being very interested, but other things often took my attention or time, so I didn't see much of the cartoon. Yeah, the so I'll I'll post this on our Twitter page, but this is an article from the Bell of Souls written by J.R. Zambrano, and he posts the images from Hasbro, who will be producing these and we have a an image here of diane the acrobat diana the acrobat which i remember thinking at the time that the this cartoon came out and i'm, I'm with you i was right i was just below that line this was at the very end of my cartoon saturday morning cartoon watching days uh <laughs> when these were out but i did i was a loyal watcher of them just because i played dungeons and dragons it was probably one of the last cartoons i was religiously watching Anyway, Diana the Acrobat, and I remember thinking that would be so cool to have an acrobat class in Dungeons and Dragons because there there really wasn't, and she really was probably closer to what the monk would have been in first edition. But then mm. soon after this cartoon came out, the book The Unearthed Arcana came out, and the thief acrobat showed up in that edition. Um, or in that okay. supplement to the first edition. And then we have a uh, Hank the Ranger. Which is pretty cool. I always liked his bow, that magical bow that where it's just the the wooden part of the bow, and then when he goes to string it, that that energy string with the energy bolt comes on. I always thought he was that was yeah. a cool magic item. Then they have here uh, Bobby the Barbarian and his pet 
Uni, the unicorn. I was never a fan. I was never a fan of those like silly mascots that that these cartoon groups had, including the Uni, the unicorn. But they're like Scrappy Doo. That didn't do anything. There's a special place in the inferno for Scrappy Doo. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, I believe so as well. But I always thought that Bobby the Barbarian's uh, club was cool because he's just a regular kid until he slammed that on the ground. And then he turned into the, this you know little kid barbarian who had this super strength, which I thought was, I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, you know, and, and so again, there was like Im- the imagination. And I want to say that in one of the games we had, someone created that magic item with a, a club that changes you, which I thought was cool. And then, of course, we have the arch villain, Venger. Venger, sorry. Oh, yeah. Of course, when the show came out, was super cool with this one horned, kind of Cambian looking guy. And then there's also the dungeon master, the short little bald guy who kind of leads and narrates the show. Oh, yeah. And it looks like it looks like Vengar and Dungeon Master may come in a like a, a double set that comes with a 20 sider and a uh, 10-sided dice. So I'm just trying to... Sorry, I'm pausing because I'm looking to try to see if it is a double set. He doesn't say here, but I seem to think I saw someplace um, the packaging of it where it's Vengar and the Dungeon Master with those dice in the same set. So I don't know, for those of you who are collectors of old-school collectibles, even though these, these won't be old-school, they will be modeled after the old-school 1980s Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. I think it's it's pretty cool. So looks like a lot of fun. Another way to enjoy our Dungeons and Dragons sort of history and past, and maybe a way to get our kids involved when we buy these (laughs) for them as action figures, play with them, say, hey, would you want to play actual Dungeons and Dragons? How would that be? And then, you know, it could be an entry, a gateway to a new generation. I'm sure your 16-year-old daughter, that'll just, just sway her right away. Oh yeah, I, I know she'll be she'll she'll be full in on that. So <laughs> anyway, well, coming up right after this quick break, we're going to have a conversation that's going to lead us back to the land of Slint. We're going to invite Marcus Kugler in, and uh, we'll be right back here on Teachers in the Dungeon. And we are back here on Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross with Dan Ream, and we invite Marcus Kugler, who's been on the show before. How you doing tonight, Marcus? I'm doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, we're glad you're here. It's always good to have your voice when we talk about Slint. And that's where we are. We just joined Alice on the boat and uh, we did a quick kind of a, it wasn't an escape, but she was in a rush to get out of Lon Anger. So uh, she was kind of in a rush and we're, we did not disagree with that. So we got on her listing boat and kind of made our way across to the island where we were told there is a fortress that could, that they could see from Lananger on a clear day and they called it Lan to show. And so we get to the island and yes. there is a long upward path that we followed. Any any notes on that path? No. Well, I don't have anything. I know the session before this I was gone for. I just kind of came back right as we were at the top of that path. So I have nothing about that path going up okay. there. If I recall correctly, Dan, it was a, the, it was sort of a had the storminess. Yeah, it was it was, was just stormy. Did you see the thunder yet or the thunderstorm building or is that 
Yes, and actually, I do have a note that there were like we thought we saw faces in this in the clouds of the storm. Right, but the, so the storm so, threatened from the west, but it didn't quite reach you. Correct. That's I have that as well. So we get up to the top of this bluff, I suppose, just, you know, the island, the ocean is low and the island, the plateau of the island is up at the top. And when we get to the top of this path that leads up there, we indeed do see the fortress of Lantishau. Now, I seem to remember that there was a wall or a gate and we had to navigate up some stairs that were crumbly to a gate or a wall. I'm, I'm sorry, a door of some sort. Not terribly challenging, but it, it gave us some second. It, it gave us the idea that caution, we must use caution at this location. Anything to add with that? I was going to say, I just added some atmosphere. It's kind of my goal. And I don't know if Mark had anything else. No, not really. You know, it was kind of the big stone entryway and there is a wall, I think, with a gate into the actual keep or castle part of it itself, but this nice stone area with with a well in it or something, or was that on the inside? Once no, there was a well on the outside. Okay, yeah. I thought so. And I don't know there, if, he, if he said that there there's a tower there and then sort of a structure off to the left-hand side of the tower, but it was all kind of in ruin. Is that, am I mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Yes, you could enter, but once you entered, you saw that one end of this fortress had collapsed and that was the end near the tower. Yes. So we headed into the part of the to- the part of the fortress that is still open and I have a note that we met some specters up on the second floor of that named Nolan and is it Moira? Yeah, just some ghosts actually. Okay. Yes, and they helped you. There was a battle with some ghasts or ghouls or something, I think. Yes. Yeah, some ghasts, and we talked to them afterwards. They were pretty friendly ghosts. They were. I, uh, I'm trying to remember if they gave you any specific information or... They did. They did. Um, I don't know if you've got anything extra, Marcus, but I have. that When we talked to them, that they revealed that they saw a girl and but she seemed to be dangerous, and they described that she went into the way below, <laughs> and she brought some guests with her. Um, that's what I. That's what I have is that she brought the guests. Um, I also have down that they said um, they served Lord Aaron. So, not that I think we found anything out about him, but that must have been who lived here at one point in time. Yeah. Yes. I was trying I to that. figure out, as I was trying to remember if there's anything that, that prompted you to explore the tower itself, because that was pretty dangerous. Yeah. I think, I think it just, that it was there to explore. And um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that anyone that, well, I don't know. I seem to remember thinking we, for some reason we thought something is going to be at the top, but I don't recall what it was, but we did know that the tower was dangerous, at least by, you know, looking at the collapse. And I want to say the storm was kind of like raging in the area a little bit. And so Wade decided that he would 
not sacrifice, because I don't know that I saw it necessarily as a sacrifice, but that he was probably the most skilled at going up the in inside. It was inside the the, the like the the wraparound stairs around the the interior of the tower. Is that correct? Yep. And we had just in in kind of a cursory exploration exploration discovered that that it's it was intact, but that it had some you know potential for damage or danger. So Wade, being the most dexterous, decided to make his way up that. Now, keep in mind, he's a half-orc, so it's not that he's tiny. He's just pretty quick. He has a high dexterity. And so there were a couple treacherous spots that where you had me do, or you had me, you had uh, Wade do a couple of <laughs> dex checks that he made mm-hmm. um, and, and got to the top. And so up at the top... It was worth the trip because there were a couple of items up there, neither of which Wade kept. He gave them away willingly, didn't have anything to do with them, but they seemed important. So he grabbed them. And one was a purple prism that I believe is what we discovered to be an Ion stone. Is that correct? Yes. And basically the Ion stone is a stone of uh, spell storing. Eventually he would turn that over to uh, Jacques, but probably the most notable piece that was up here was a, a spherical globe that was sitting on a tripod. This this got pretty hairy here because was it when I grabbed the seeing stone or this globe rather, is that when the storm came? I was trying to think. I thought we were up in the tower when the storm actually hit. Does that sound right? Or were we down on the floor? We, we were down was, below. Okay, so then Wade brought sure. the brought the seeing stone down. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Wade brought the seeing stone down, and then I'm going to turn over to you, Mark, because this is where you, this is why we wanted you on today's show, because I showed the seeing stone to everybody, and Bert decided that he wanted to, well, I'm going to let you say. Well, yeah, Bert kind of, we were going through, and he saw it, and I don't know if he thought it was enamored with it, but he thought it was a kind of a neat piece to look at and go check it out. And we kind of thought that it was some kind of a seeing stone to be able to look through and find some things. So Bert decides he'd try it out. He went through and he looked at this and he was going to try to look for Pescalus rather than uh, anything else because just wanted to see if we could find somebody that we knew. Well, Bert was looking at it. I have down that it swirls in there and turns uh, turns into this black vacuum kind of area. And then um, a figure comes out, but it wasn't it wasn't Pescalus. It was uh, <laughs> no. So, it was some. It most certainly some, wasn't. No, some woman where by these icy blue eyes and very white face and that's icy voice and dark hair um, that spoke to me in there and I didn't write down what she said this time it wasn't much I think it was more a bit of a surprise that what was I doing here more than anything yes. else yes yeah she I was have, she you were a stranger to her what have you got Tom I was just gonna say yeah that I had that, that we were that we were a stranger to her and that she says that we won't thwart her and then you got zapped yeah I got zapped by something 
Yeah, so at this point, again, another very powerful entity that is clearly displeased with you, but again, I'm not sure what what your characters were putting together at this point. Well, all I knew is, well, and, and right after this interaction you had with her is when the storm just raged into yeah. this uh, well, fortress. Seems, and seemed to be targeting, yes, targeting the fortress. Yeah. And um, remember it, it, it hit, it like lightning struck the tower and it started falling on us. It wasn't just like one lightning bolt that struck the tower. It was, I, I have down that it was several lightning bolts that really hit that tower and oh. seemed like that was the focus of the storm almost. So it drives you, you, you guys have a decision to make. Yeah. Because it looks like the lightning is, is yeah, definitely going after you guys. So I guess it, that's when you took the, took the information that the ghosts had given you to, to figure out where you needed to go. Yeah. Yeah. We, I know we were a little indecisive and we kept, I think at one point <laughs> we were kind of all running around this courtyard. We finally took refuge at <laughs> the well and when that tower started crumbling, we decided to just climb. Well, we discovered that there was a, a, um, a ladder structure built into the side of the, in, in like the inner circle of the well. And so we took that hint and started climbing down into the well. Yes. There's a little passage down in there a little ways. So, yep. From, from the DM's so. perspective, I realized it'd been a long time since we'd had a dungeon crawl. So I thought, that's what we need to have. So, yes, a secret passage yes, into some subterranean rooms. Yeah. I, oh, that's right. It wasn't, for some reason, I was, I was remembering that it was just that one room. But no, it went into sort of a complex. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I don't have any other note a, on it other than the final bit. Well, you had a bad fight that didn't go very well for you guys at the beginning. And then you had to rest before you could go further into the, into the complex. What was it? Was it the ghasts that we? Fought? What was the first fight? I don't recall. I think there were there were more ghasts that were coming after you, and a little more than you guys were prepared for, and you're able to dispatch them, but it they did some damage. Okay, I do remember that. And if I remember right, the complex kind of had a left and a right, and and we went left the first time, and that's where we encountered those ghasts, and our mm-hmm. ultimate destination was the right path, if I yes. correctly. But so eventually we we do rest and then we come back and go the other way to the right-hand side of that initial passageway. And we come to, if I remember right, there was a door that we opened up the door and did we see the girl right away? I was thinking there was something that drew us in in the back corner, but I don't recall what that was. Mark, do you have any notes you, on it? No, I don't have any notes I, I know we did this and I remember all of it, but I didn't take any notes on this part of it at all. Yeah, it must have been a pretty intense battle that all of you were focused on winning it. What I remember, I again, this I was trying to create a little bit of a moral dilemma for you guys, but I think I gave you enough clues that you didn't really hesitate at all to lash out at this girl. Well... I do. Well, no, I take that. You know what? Though I do remember, I do have a recollection of we didn't, we did not start with attacking the girl. 
because we started fighting the guests and it was not it was not going particularly well and then all of a sudden she lashed out at us and mm-hmm. and the damage that she did was really detrimental in fact i want to say it was an area effect that impacted most of us and then it was like game on little girl <laughs> and as weird as it was i remember then the tar- she became the target and did she even charm somebody? I think she tried, I but uh, I don't. I don't know that it was successful. Okay, but it was. It was a pretty harrowing battle. I do recall. She was a lot stronger than we thought she would be. I think. Oh so. yeah, I mean, she was dropping spells left and right. And I and remember I you guys handling it much easier than I thought. She went down faster than I thought she would. So, but I, I mean, I'm, I think that's just a difference in perception. Um, yeah, that's that's the DM <laughs> <laughs> because in the room <laughs> it did not feel that way. So you finally were able to dispatch her, and you realize that kind of fit the bit of lore that Nemea gave you because you're able to yes. fight the most innocent and get rid of her first, right? And then. And- there, there's a box. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got it that it's a a simple wooden box, but it's very well crafted. It's two by two by one. It's got a painted white face and a black sword on it. When we open it up, it contains, it's lined with black velvet and contains these nine crystal vials full of black liquid. And uh, we notice there are fragments of two others that have been destroyed. Yes. And and the velvet had a coppery odor which mm. I noted that would be the 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 you know the odor of blood. Yes. So we did so a little folks, math. So you've been following along at home, yep. did you figure out what uh, cuz I'm not sure. Well, I guess you guys kind of did figure it out, but you didn't do what I thought yeah. you were going to do. Yeah, we we did the math. We did the math and we figured out somehow this must tie into the whites because we had killed two of the whites and we knew that there were 11 and so yeah. it all added up what didn't add up is what we should do with this vo- this box of <laughs> vials that represented the whites we couldn't we couldn't come to a consensus on what to do with it uh-huh. <laughs> and looking back at it that's kind of where we went with it was just probably not what we should have done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was, it was the worst. It was the worst decision ever. But at the time, so, you know, I think some of the things we were thinking about was what came first. Did, did, did killing the whites destroy the bottle or did someone, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what, well, I don't know what we were thinking, but so what we decided to do was, well, let's bring the box with the vials with us. Uh-huh. And then I what Wade was thinking was when we see a white, we present the bottle to the white as a threat. I okay. that's what Wade was that's what Wade was thinking. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Did did Bert yeah. have any particular ideas on that? Well, I guess it was kind of uh kind of the same kind of idea because we didn't we I think we had the idea that killing one of the whites would break one of the vials, but we weren't sure if we just broke the vials, if it would actually kill the whites. We weren't 
We didn't know if they were tied that closely together. I guess Bert wanted to find a white, see if it actually happened, and then take care of the rest of them that way. I think that's what Wade thought. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to blame the guy that's not here. And I'm going to say it was Jacques' fault. <laughs> he talked us. He talked us out of this because I, I, I know we had conversations. Maybe we should just drop the box. Maybe we should just destroy the box with the vials in it and and be done with it. Because I know I know that was part of the conversation at one time. But and I don't know if it was Wade, if it was Bert, or whether it was Jacques. But I'm going to say Jacques because he's not here. They convinced the rest of us to bring it with. So, Dan, the question for you is, as DM and being omnipotent in the ideas and thoughts on this, what was going through your mind as we started to pack up this box to bring with us? (laughs) I was considering giving even more hints, but I was learning by that point, you know what, don't railroad. Whatever decision they make, this is telling a story, it's going to be fine. But yes, I was furiously rewriting all the plans uh, for after that. <laughs> so I thought, okay, this, this is going to change things. This will end up probably prolonging the adventure a bit if you don't deal with this box of this reliquary. So that's really all that was going through my mind at that point. Well, so what we're doing right now, I suppose, without really realizing what we just did here on the show, Teachers in the Dungeon, is we've set up some dramatic irony going forward. (laughs) Because we as players apparently did not recognize, I think we knew that this was an important box. I mean, for heaven's sakes, the box is painted with a white face and black blade, which has been the theme of this entire adventure. But for whatever reason, we chose not to deal with it at that moment. And so we've just set up for you as listeners some dramatic irony that something with this box is going to happen in the future of the episode (laughs) or of this adventure. Yes. (laughs) So my next note here, I think we can, we got some time to continue here is Bert, you make, you gaze into the globe again. I don't recall if it was right after we did this or if we rested, but you gaze into the globe one more time and you get, you get a pretty distinct message. Well, I have two things. I have two notes here, and okay, good. I'm trying to oh, remember ex- exactly how it came about, but I have that we came back up from this dungeon crawl, back yes. up into the uh, that flat area, or I don't know what this happened down there. Oh no, we did because I had the storm was abate had abated, but it hadn't gone yeah. away. It just kind of moved back, and we got the sense that it was just kind of uh, waiting there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't have down that I looked into the globe here at this point in time, but I just got this image of feeling very small and lying on this flat metal. And there are arcs of electricity going across of it. And there is a hammer with blood on it falling down on me. And that's where I had that we ended this session. <laughs> I would have been like out or something happened there that that's what happened. Yeah. I think it was a warning. That's what I got that it was, Oh, you should stop. You should, that it's going to kill you. But <laughs> Bert went on anyway. So I love it when the DM says, I think that was a warning. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. That's that. We appreciate that. <laughs> I want to hear your side. (laughs) 
Well, I was just going to say that this at this point, then I was reconfiguring and thinking, okay, what what are these enemies going to do? So you've got Prince Neil, who, well, as far as you know, he's the kind of the head vampire. You thought you've escaped him, perhaps. Uh, you've got this girl that you've dispatched. You've got these rel- this reliquary full of vials of some sort of blood. You've got this strange, powerful entity after you guys. And so I had to start kind of putting the pieces in motion on the board. So the next session, you guys found out that Alice's ship had been smashed to pieces by the storm. You are able to find Alice, and she does tell you that there's another small port on the northeast side of the island. There may be another ship there. So that's that's what you're going to have to do is travel up this island, which is fairly small, and try to find your way to this ship so you can escape and get back to the mainland. And she lets you know that she doesn't believe the interior of the island was ever inhabited. There are stories of murderous monsters living there. But you have to go through because the coasts are, conveniently, from the DM standpoint, quite uh, jagged and nothing but cliffs. Yes. What I'm trying to figure out is, okay, so I, I want to, before we go talk about going across the island, I want to talk about, because Bert, you did gaze into the globe again. I, I did. That was at the beginning of that next session. Yes. I, Went through there. I gazed into the globe again. And what I decided was that we'd uh, take one of those vials out of that <laughs> out of that box before. And so I pulled this, went in there, went through the swirls again. And this woman came up and uh, showed her the vials. And what I got was that there's this very cold anger. And she uh, she told me nothing will protect said nothing will protect you from me i will (laughs) cut your souls to ribbons and uh you will be chained to this world forever that's what i have from her and like all the buildings shudder and boom oh this what i did is i smashed one of the vials and uh that went away so and i did so we did smash one of the vials i got this uh down that I got splattered with the liquid <laughs> and it smelled or smelled horrific and vile and just terrible. And it made Bert sick. He didn't make his constitution <laughs> roll. Oh, and then, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. You lost your cookies. I did. I did. <laughs> That's a crying shame. I forgot about that. I also had the note that, that she said, I've sent him and you can't run is what I have. Which yes. wasn't ominous at all. <laughs> yes. As I said, the yeah. pieces the pieces on the board are moving now. Yeah. So we travel across, we start traveling across the island. And help me out, Dan. I have a name here, Cordrum. It says we're traveling to Cordrum. Is that is that the port on the other side of the island? Yes. That's yeah, that's what I have. It's the town on the island and the only place inhabited, according to okay. Alice. Mm-hmm. Right. And so along the way, there's a sprite who, for I don't recall why, but picks a fight we encounter, and he picks a fight with Jacques. His, this sprite's name is Bloodletter. Yes. So 
we've sort of established that, and, and this does go kind of from the monster manual that sprites are are a little aggressive because you know kind of making up for their short statues stature. So yeah, this this particular one was sort of slinging sass at you guys, and I forget which one of you decided to fight back. Was that you? I do not Wade? recall. I I'd probably almost say it was Jock. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's what my note implies is that Jacques kind of pushes him around. You do sort of have a little bit of single combat, but that eventually establishes a little bit of goodwill. They they respect you, and they they do let you know that there are ghasts in the woods, and there are also werewolves. Mm-hmm. They tell you that the lightning is functioning like a tracking device. Mm-hmm. It seems to be meant to show your position. So that is oh, another thing I think they give that. you. Yeah, no, I, okay. I had, we were being tracked by the clouds, so. Huh. Yes. They offer to keep watch behind you. And, and the other little thing I threw in, just because I thought it would be <laughs> fun in a cruel sort of way, is that uh, you had to roll some perception rolls to avoid poison ivy. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> nice. So we we travel. It's a it's a two day trip through the forest, um, and at dusk, I believe I don't have noted, but at dusk we encounter a deer and a human changed werewolf that are dead. Mm-hmm. And yes. keep in mind, we do have Graven with us, and Graven we know is a were a werewolf. He's he's one of our party members, played by Caleb Baumgarten. Mm-hmm. But he is he's with us also. So we look for the werewolf lair. Well, we're successful, but that probably wasn't the best move on our part. But you know, this this episode has been filled with lots of great decision making by this group in Slint. <laughs> so I don't we, think it was that is, bad of a decision because you heard you heard werewolf howling but it sounded panicked okay i don't yeah i don't have that here but what i do have here is that this was a fairly epic battle here and i i've got some pretty good imagery in my mind of what this this all looked like yeah fired up what do you got there was there was on one side of the battlefield it was kind of a hilly area and then it kind of went down into a depression where there was some terrain and then the other side it went back up so it's kind of like a bowl Mm-hmm. And so it was werewolves. They were in. They were in combat with two. Oh, is it a bodak? Mm-hmm. And several ghosts or gas. I'm sorry, ghasts. Yes. We defi- We decided to assist the werewolves, and we uh, joined into battle. And I'm just. I'm. I'm just going to say here that the only note I really have on this beyond what I just remember in my head is that Wade defeated a ghast and a bodak. So just putting that out there. <laughs> but we kind of got spread out. We kind of got spread out across the mm-hmm. battlefield. And I remember Wade was up on the. On, from my perspective of the map, I was kind of on the south end of of the hills, and they were kind of chasing me around there. And that's where I was doing some of my work on that south end because I drew them up onto the hill and then just would beat down on them. But you guys, if I remember, got kind of trapped down in the, on the, like, the low part of the battlefield. Yeah, kind of Mm -hmm. pinned in down there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was, on the other side, 
there was a family of werewolves that seemed to be the target of these ghasts and the bodaks. We went to try to save that family. Mm -hmm. We, correct me if I'm wrong, but to sort of expedite the battle, I've already told you the important part, and that's that Wade killed a bodak and a uh, <laughs> gas by himself. But the, 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 the thing about this battle is we did save the family. There was a father, a mother, and a daughter. Um, mm -hmm. the, and we discovered that the body we found with the deer that led us here was the son of this family, Douglas, Eris, and Lila. Mm -hmm. But the sad part of this battle is that our party member, Graven, lost his life. Yes. Yes. Permanently. It was, he didn't yeah. just go down. He, he died. Yeah. And that was a bummer. I mean, anytime Wade has to do the chimes for an NPC, it's a sad moment. But here it was one of our own. And that was rough. That was, it's never, it's never fun to see a party member go down, but mm -hmm. then for them to be permanently dead, that, that's a tough one. <laughs> and so that's the way it goes. That's part of the game. And I don't want to say it's part of the fun, but I guess I looked over at Caleb and I said, got any ideas for a new, char <laughs> for a new character? <laughs> and, and he did right away. Yeah. Again, to, to step back and look at us as players rather than within the game, he kind of indicated it was almost a relief for him. He was really frustrated and struggling with how to play Draven. It was a, a newer, well, I don't know if some unearthed arcana or where he got the information for his particular class and everything, yeah. but he it, it was a tricky one to play and he never felt entirely happy with the way that you know of the mechanics of it so he was he was at peace with graven's death he was ready to move on and do something different yeah i mean he was excited when he created that character and i remember he was and during some break time at work he would come and see me and be okay so which one that you know this or that and and so he's pretty excited about it but i think in actual play it became like a challenge to, to know exactly the mechanics and like the purpose and, and why you would do certain things. And so even though I, you know, you never want to lose a character, I don't know that it really broke him up. It was just, it's just sort of that, like that loss of air when your character does actually die and you're like, oh, yeah. dang. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Never a good feeling. After so we dealt with the... So we're coming up at a time. Do you want to just, we can kind of zip to the you guys do yes. make it to cordrum we do because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. there's a nice little in keeping with the theme <laughs> yeah you do manage you do manage to get there you do manage to find a boat you manage to get on it uh, before the pursuit catches you but yeah, yeah and i don't i don't know that we we established that but yes we were definitely being pursued at this point and when we left that battle with the werewolves or not with the werewolves, but to save the werewolves, we we felt that we were being pursued at this point, like definitely something was oh, chasing us. Well, the sprites had let us know at some point in time as well that we were definitely being followed. Yes, yes they said some ships had arrived from the mainland and they described a, a tall individual and some followers. And yes, you knew you, knew you were in trouble. 
your description of that was great. I've, I just have such good pictures because some of us were using our speed. And if I remember, like, I know Wade was, Wade's faster than everybody. And so I remember him just running. And mm-hmm. I don't know if, if Mark, you and, and Chris or Bert and Jacques were using some sort of magical means to get ahead. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I do remember the, the imagery in my head of us running down a hill uh-huh. and the boat was there. So you guys jumped on the boat, you cast loose, you look back, you see a, a princely figure standing and staring at you from the coast. And, yep. and I think... Uh, Maybe Wade shot his crossbow at him once or twice, just did something. I have down that, you know, it was a half-elf. He had guards, mm-hmm. cloaked figures, moving really fast. And what he does is as we're sailing away, he throws Sternward, who was uh, the sprite oh. leader, onto the dead ship. Yes, the, the broken body of your help, the sprite that was helping you as a little parting gift. Yeah. That was frustrating. that would did not that was not a feel-good ending but it certainly made a great cliffhanger so yeah probably a good place to end until uh until next time indeed marcus thank you so much for joining us tonight on teachers in the dungeon to talk about slint with bert's gazing into the globe (laughs) yeah and still do it again even though probably should (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll do it again. His curiosity just got to him. My favorite was when he was when he uh, held up the vial to the globe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was magnificent. Well, yes. thank you all so much for joining us tonight or today on Teachers in the Dungeon. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review and let us know how we're doing. You can do the same thing on Spotify or, uh, yes, on Spotify. Give us a, uh, a check mark or a plus or a star. I don't remember what it is that you do on Spotify, but please <laughs> give us, let us know what you think. Also join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us there. Continue the conversation. Send us some feedback. Hey, if you want to write us a book, that would go to teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com. You know, when you guys share information and stories with us, we'd love to share those on the air. So let us know what you're thinking regarding Dungeons and Dragons, games that you're playing, anything else. So for Dan Ream, I'm Tom Gross. We thank Marcus Kugler for joining us tonight. Here on Teachers in the Dungeon, until next time, keep rolling those 20s. So long, everybody. That wraps up today's session, so thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.